0: From NewSounds.org and the studios of WNYC in New York, this is Soundcheck, our series of live performances and interviews. I'm John Schaefer. You may know singer Rachel Price from the hit band, Lake Street Dive. Villery is a guitarist, songwriter, and singer based here in New York. And together, Rachel and Villery have just released their second album as a duo. It's called, I Love a Love Song. And on first listen, it may sound like something that actually came out 80 or 90 years ago. The duo draws on, and in their own sly way, extends the tradition of the great American songbook. And they've joined us today to play a few of their new, old-sounding songs. Here's Rachel and Villery with Is a Good Man Real? ¶¶
1: I've never known one what do they do we've all heard the legends but can they be true my cousin's best friend's boyfriend once nearly cooked a meal so is a good man Does he try to remember What his old lady said When he sleeps and on Tuesdays Does he straighten the bed Once he's had three martinis He'll let you take the wheel Oh is a good man I've never seen a narwhal, the unicorn of the sea But if God made whales and put horns on the mares Maybe he'd put a heart in a guy for me He don't need money I said good, not perfect I'll settle for honey and a quarterly date so if you see this you, Please let them know how I feel I hope a good man Maybe would put a heart in a guy for me
0: Performance of is a good man real that is a track from the latest album by Rachel and Villery called I love a love song uh, on which both Rachel Price and Villery sing and Villery playing the guitar as well uh, it's been a while since uh, s- since we were all together for a very different sort of event some years ago it's great to have the the two of you here today
1: lovely to be here it's
0: great uh, so Villery um, uh, it's that is a, it's a lovely song, but it has a, a slightly cynical streak to it. Yeah,
2: totally. It's part of a tradition.
0: Well, you know, it, that's a funny thing because, you know, when we think of songs from that time, the radio age, so-called, we think of them as these really, I don't know, earnest songs. Um, so... Where, where do you hear that that kind of subversively cynical streak in these old tunes
2: well I'll have a panic attack if I try to think of a specific song right now but uh, the you know it's it's what I love about this music is that it's incredibly literate yeah um, but it's also kind of like vernacular and trying to capture like the language and feelings of people on the street Um And uh, so, you know, it's a very populist kind of uh, music. And as such, it can kind of express all these sort of operatic lows and highs and and funny things. And, you know, people contain multitudes. And this is like the music of the theater originally. So it's a great opportunity to express all sorts of things.
0: Yeah. And in in this case, Rachel, your your character clearly has been hanging out with the wrong kind of men.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's it's funny almost to think of it as cynical versus uh, the notion of, of songs from this era being maybe more earnest because it's very possible that if this song did exist, it would have come across as completely earnest because it, it would have been a very worthwhile question yeah. to ask. Is a good man real? Um because this many years later, it's still a worthwhile question to ask. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I'm th- I always think about the song um, "Oh My Man, I Love Him So," um, which Ruth Edding, Ruth Edding? Oh, yeah, e- yeah, Ruth yeah. Edding, uh, sang. It was a huge hit. And you know, the lead-in uh, to the to the form of the song is "He beats me to what? What can I do?" And this yeah. is this was a hit at the time. So the, <laughs> people weren't uh, unfamiliar shying away, and yeah. shying away from from certain subjects, so I think it's kind of interesting. I think this song comes across as more sarcastic now, like, oh, once he's had three martinis, but um, I can see a a woman in the 30s nodding along and being like, yeah, I wonder if he will let me take the wheel once he's had three martinis.
0: (laughs) And then, of course, in the 60s, he hit me and it felt like a kiss. Yes, exactly, it's, It's, yes. Um, So how did the two of you first begin kind of mining this sonic area together?
2: Uh, really kind of right away um, Rachel and I have been playing together I think it's 2016 we're coming up on our our anniversary but we've known each other for many years before that. I think we prioritize songs in this um, a creative pursuit we kind of we, we love love songs and uh, you know we love the purity of um, of this era and I think that there's just like it can be, Interpreted so many different
0: ways, and that's kind of how you know a good song. So, there's, there's, uh, it's up to nine pieces, uh, on the record, exactly. So, is there something formal, formally different from those old songs from the way songs are done today? I mean, is there a structural thing or are there certain chord progressions? Uh, What do you hear then that you don't hear now? Um, I'm not sure. Uh,
2: you know, I think music is music on some level. And if you sat down and you sort of pulled apart the pieces of a pop song today, you know, you would find interesting structures and things to catch the ear and catch the mind as a, as a composer. Um, I can only speak to what obsesses me, which is kind of, words that feel good to sing. Mm. Um, That's what I value when I listen to a Johnny Mercer song or I listen to a Peggy Lee song. It's kind of, the lyrics feel great in a way that, you know, some of the Tin Pan Alley um, musical writers, while great, I feel like sometimes they're, they're after sort of meaning and, and thematic bigness and there's a certain sort of aesthetic that I really like about the word choices and the way they flow and how they like inform the swing and the feel of the song. Um, so, you know, th- that's I'm not really answering your question, but I, I'd like I prioritize certain things. And I think everybody who writes music has their own priorities in mind. And as long as you're being true to your priorities and what interests you about writing, I think that that's the universal strength of songwriting.
0: Yeah. Rachel, uh you do most of the heavy lifting vocally. Um <laughs> so are are these fun to say, I mean, do the words they do they feel good coming out?
3: They really do. They feel good. What what Villery was um saying about the words sort of having an inherent rhythmic swing to them. Uh I think he really favors those those words. I was thinking what was the song I was thinking about where you uh chose um a time and I was like why would he have chosen that time I was like oh right December 18th we have a song uh that starts with uh just it's like a little intro um it's our Christmas tune it's December 18th and Amy Sweet and I was like I wonder if anyone wonders why that date and I was like oh he chose 18th and I went through all the numbers and I was like 5th December 15th I was like no 18th (laughs) <laughs> is the nicest to sing. Uh, and I know that Villery's sort of going through those. He's, he's getting to a word and he's just kind of going through all the possibilities. And he's choosing the one that sounds uh, nicest mm-hmm. um, and, and swings the hardest.
0: Um, is it hard, Villery, writing new songs in an old style without, you know, dipping into like send up or satire? Or...
2: I, I don't think it's hard. I think you just have to be sort of true to your own tastes. And the truer you are to your own tastes, the more your own voice kind of comes across.
0: Yeah, so there is kind of an authenticity to these songs that is kind of a drift in time. They are not authentic songs from the radio age, yeah. but they also don't sound like anything else being written in 2023, so mm-hmm. uh, well done. <laughs> the The album is called I Love a Love Song, the second from the duo of Rachel and Villery. Um, The next title is Hate is the Basis of Love. And, you know, love songs at their best acknowledge that love's a complicated thing, right? Mm,
2: Totally. Yeah, I mean, this song, I actually wrote it as a commission for a a couple. uh, And a, a young lady sent me an email and she said that she and her partner connect deeply on all things as you would with somebody that you love. But they really figured it out because they hate the same things. And so they're kind of safe from those things in each other's arms. Um, And I couldn't think of the song that was about that. And so that's already a great starting point. And then I was kind of thinking about, you know, Nat King Cole, who had a song um, in the 40s called Gone With the Draft, which is like a shocking song. It's a song about a guy with flat feet who gets to stay home from World War II and clean up with the ladies. (laughs) And 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 it's, like, very humorous, but it's not mean-spirited. It's just he's happy. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, it's a little mean-spirited. He's, like, singing about how they're, like, got packs on their backs, and he's, like, cleaning up with the ladies. When the boys get back and see
4: how I'm doing, they'll be sorry they left. Cause one can't keep on wooing and still be gone with dread.
2: Somebody said... Uh, When when we were turning in this record, they were like, well, you know, I don't think in the 40s you would hear a song called Hate is the Basis of Love. But my basic feeling is that with Gone with the Draft, you have permission to write about anything. Because if that was on the radio... While World War II is going on, then anything is fair game.
0: Yeah, a very, very problematic uh, yeah, exactly. moral or ethical <laughs> I know, background. but Mad King Cole, it's <laughs> I like know, you could I not know.
2: ask for a better voice to put that across and be like, yeah, this is fine.
0: All right, well, <laughs> uh, let's let's hear this live performance here in our studio. The song is called Hate is the Basis of Love. You'll find it on the new record by Rachel and Villery.
1: People long to find true love They're searching every day They wonder at the mystery of the fire That never burns away Perhaps they say The spark that sets it Springs from the things lovers like On your first date I advocate that you focus on all the many things you both
4: hate One, two, three, four. hate is
1: the basis of love
4: despising is the wise thing for seeing if you see things eye to eye
1: Imagine hating raisins, now everything has raisins Cause you fell for a raisin, crazy fool
4: And in your shared apartment, there lives a purple carpet Cause guess what, Mr. Raisin loves that too
1: And every hat he wears is apt to irritate
4: Cause every hat he owns is a hat you hate
1: if only you'd been straighter said honey i'm a hater if you wanna know what floats my boat then ask what gets my goat cause
4: 'Cause hate is the basis of love Hate is the basis Hate is the basis Of love the Detesting's the best thing the Detesting's the best thing For knowing if you're going all the way Oh baby, I hate tourists the smug, the wrong, the purists
1: Mushrooms, melons, licorice as well
4: But when I come back home I'm safe from all of them Cause
1: my sweetheart wants Even less to do with them
4: she pets me and she praises, she scratches every itch. But when she wants to win my heart, she listens while I bitch. Cause hate is the basis. Hate is the basis. Hate is the basis. Hate is the
1: basis, is the basis. Is the basis of love. <laughs>
0: Rachel and Villery live with Hate is the Basis of Love. I was careful in introducing the two of you to say that on first listen, the the songs on the new album might sound like the 30s or 40s. But, you know, just a even a cursory listen to some of the lyrics on that song <laughs> kind of gives the game away. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I think it would have uh, passed the muster before... Uh you know, the the codes came in. (laughs) There's a lot of blues songs with curses and, and, uh, you know.
0: (laughs) And and serious sexual Serious sexual energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, taking a listen to this album, you know, we we have a lot of, this radio station's been around forever. We have a lot of old 1940s ribbon microphones that we trot out occasionally for like old timey brass bands and stuff. You have brought one of those into the studio. So how much do you go into the, the actual old production techniques in making these records? Well, this
2: recent one certainly, I mean, I can't get into the nitty gritty of it because I just don't know. But it, we went into a big old room and we recorded live, certainly the, the backing tracks, the instrumental tracks. Rachel was in a booth, but otherwise we were all together capturing the humanity of, of each player and, and the feeling in the room and the sort of liveness of it. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a snapshot in time in a way that, you know, many modern records aren't uh, because you want to have all that control and you want to isolate everything. So yeah, there's a lot of bleed between microphones, um, on this record and it all contributes to the sound of feeling like you're in the room. You know, and that, that's the sound that I love from a 50s record is like really intimate vocal sound, pretty dry, but certainly very much like whispering in your ear kind of thing. And then the band is sounds like it's kind of a little bit over there. Right. And, uh, and you know, just it sort of highlights, lifts the, the, the song itself to sort of a, a sublime level.
0: Well, songs like uh, Just Two or Even in the Evening you know, even in the evening, starts with the sound of the horns. And they sound just the way you would expect horns to have sounded in 1939, mm-hmm. you know? I, I, yeah,
2: I mean, that part of it is, is Jacob Zimmerman, who wrote the arrangements. He's a total magician and completely fluent in the language of this stuff. And, and he understands from hearing a song, we talk about it to some extent, but really I hand in a song and say, well, do what you're going to do because I really trust him. And with good reason, all these, every, he's never handed back an arrangement where I was like, I don't think you really got it. (laughs) Um, And uh, you know, and sometimes my references aren't his and that's a little bit of the magic of it we were recording even in the evening and I was like this sounds like a Kenyon Hopkins like you know sort of horn arrangement the way the Hustler sounds Kenyon Hopkins wrote the the music for the Hustler the great Paul Newman movie and it's just got this incredibly sexy saxophone stuff Pain, going on
1: so grim uh, Guess see him. Some evening.
2: And, um, he said that he was thinking of Billy Strayhorn. So, you know, it's like Kenyon Hopkins was probably listening to Billy Strayhorn. Yeah, yeah. I know Kenyon Hopkins maybe a little, you know, I know The Hustler maybe more than I know whatever record uh, Jacob was listening to. But that's kind of the magic of it is everybody sort of speaks the language of this of this history and, and you can kind of bring it in and, and, and bring it back to life as long as the song is authentic to some element of it.
0: Yeah. Rachel, how much of this do you need or even want to know before you start singing along,
3: I like to hear uh, uh references—the singer that he may have had in mind while he was writing the song. Certainly well, early presumably on.
0: presumably you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. More,
2: more and more lately. More and more when, me. When we first yeah. got started, not so
3: much. Yeah, when we first started out, it was it was like, oh, I wrote this song for Billie Holiday or I wrote this song for Peggy Lee, and they're dead, so could you, <laughs> could, you could you do your best and 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 that was extremely helpful helpful for me um to hear a song in in sort of the context that he was hearing it initially um and then grow it from there and now I do think you have my voice in mind but of course you know who my references are you know that I'm calling on Doris Day and Dinah Shore and Ella Fitzgerald and Mm. um sort of picking and choosing from uh their uh vernacular when, when I approach songs. So yeah, I, I the more information the better. But he gives me a lot of nice character notes too, almost like the director and, you know, and I'm the ingenue in the musical. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well and that's you know, when I was asking before, you know, what makes those old songs different, many of them are character studies. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. And they were
3: written for very specific Scenes in a musical—they're—they're trying to move a plot along. So there are these beautiful little snapshots into a scene. They have to say something complete, but also they have to do something very specific. Which, which I think you know that is one of the biggest differences with these these songs with the songs you're hearing today is the purpose for what often they were used for.
0: And when you're singing with Villery, is it different from how you're singing with Lake Street Dive?
3: Yeah, it's. It's um well I mean it's very different technically, and uh, it's it, it 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 is very different um from sort of the uh, emotional interpretation because there's just a, uh, with Lake Street Dive I'm calling on like rock influences and soul and there's there's some there's some aspects that are just more sort of like pure raw sort of just singing uh whereas. I really do need to keep Le- Villery's lyrics right at the front. You know, that should be the first priority. Um, so but- you're a
0: storyteller first. Yes,
3: exactly. Yeah.
0: Got it. Um, both of you sing on this record, but on the track called I'm Not Ready, you go back to a an old trope, which I have loved every time I've heard it, which is, press the band into vocal duties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> so yeah, me good.
1: me too. <laughs> <laughs> I always love sliding so easily oh,
0: baby,
4: In where he
1: used to be oh, But you best be gone When I put the coffee on I'll scream it till I wake up That do neighbor up above I'm not ready
0: He's
1: not ready For oh, love
2: and that more or less that song was born of the desire to do that. You know, it was really specifically coming from that scene in um, in Casablanca where they sing "Knock on Wood," uh, where the whole, you know, the the band plays this song "Knock on Wood," which I've never heard in any other context, <laughs> and uh, and. Because, you know, Rick's is the one bar in Casablanca, everybody's there every night. And so the band probably plays the same songs every night or plays, you know, every third night. And everybody knows their role.
4: Say, you've got trouble. we got trouble. How much trouble? Too much trouble. Well, now, don't you bow.
1: Just knuckle down and knock on wood.
2: And there's just something so incredibly, it's just like everything about Casablanca is about like, here are humans going through the worst parts of their lives. But in this place, you know, even if they're doing, you know, having to do horrible things in order to escape, they're also finding a lot of happiness in this bar. And um, I just always loved Knock on Wood, so I I tried to write a Knock on Wood.
0: (laughs) Well, it it is, as I say, kind of a, a long tradition, I mean, Pennsylvania Six, 5,000. Yes, absolutely. Sun Ra's Orchestra yes. did a version of... Um,
2: uh, elephants on Parade. Elephants on Parade, yeah. thank you,
0: yes. look out, look out on here they come, They're here, they're there, big elephants everywhere.
4: Look out, look out, they're walking around the bed
0: there's something about the sound of a bunch of people who are not normally stuck in front of a microphone yeah. singing together yeah. that is deeply satisfying. <laughs> I
2: totally, totally agree. There's uh, a lot of that actually also on uh, a lot of salsa records from like, yeah. the 50s. Yeah. Uh,
0: All right, uh, time for another song. Uh, Join Me in a Dream. There's a title that could have come from a Doris Day tune. Yes, oh, totally, yeah. yeah. Um, this is another song from the new record called I Love a Love Song from Rachel and Villery, but here's a live performance.
1: Left the whole night through with you Now join me In a dream My weary eyelids Won't stay open But how I'll miss this view So join me In a dream And we'll live on inside Picture a dance floor by the sea For whom does the orchestra play? Just me, patiently Awaiting your return to me For feeling so tired I ran from your side To join you in a dream.
0: That is Rachel and Villery, live with Join Me in a Dream. And Rachel, you were talking uh, a little bit ago about how with Lake Street Dive, you call on your rock and soul influences. But to pull this off, you had to have had this kind of sound in your mind's ear pretty early on. How did that happen for you?
1: I grew up
3: uh, in, a, in a household where jazz was played regularly, and my dad... Uh, my dad's dad, uh, his favorite group was the Mills Brothers, and mm-hmm. so my dad always played us the Mills Brothers. And um, I, I don't know why I got into Ella Fitzgerald. I was five years old the first time I got a L, Ella Fitzgerald record, and Smart um, kid. yeah, uh, and I think my dad uh, just saw that I was. I don't know. I think I think he may, may have just observed my aura and said this, <laughs> this, this little, this little ham wants to sing jazz. And, um, you know, Ella singing with with Chick Webb, uh, her voices has uh, I was very accessible for me when I was young, Maybe not five. I wasn't like, oh, I can sing just like, uh, you know, 18 year old Ella Fitzgerald.
1: A tisket, a tasket, a brown and yellow basket. I send a letter to my mommy on the way I dropped
3: it. She has such a young sounding voice. And I think that I really uh, was like, oh, that's something I can aspire to. Ella singing, you know, Tisketa Tasket. Yeah, there's and,
2: a lot of innocence in her voice as opposed to a lot of jazz singers. You know what I mean? Especially young. You yeah. Know I mean? Whose
3: voices are very, yeah, very mature. Billie Holiday,
2: even young, you know, she's it's, it's not there's. It's not it's not as joyful and innocent, you can't hear the smiles,
3: yeah, so. exactly, Ugh. yeah, little like young Ella I mean she she sounded almost younger than she was, yeah. um even though she was absolutely incredible um since she opened her mouth, probably, but yeah, I just I got into it, and then uh, I watched a lot of old movie musicals, um like with Doris Day and of course Judy garland is is a huge um uh, inspiration to me as well. So yeah, I don't know. It just mm. it's just what I was into.
0: And Villery, um, on on the record, I love a love song. There are twelve tracks, eleven of them you wrote. The album ends though with something you did not write. And it kind of, if I were to ask you the question I just asked Rachel, I suspect the answer would lead us to this song.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it. it Good night, my love is the last song that we sing together. It's something that uh, I I loved and I recognized from actually listening to WNYC as a, a teenager um, because Danny Stiles would play some version of "Goodnight My Love" at the end of every broadcast, mm-hmm. and uh, it was often the Shirley Temple version, which I think uh, Rachel relates to in a in a deeply positive way. And as a 16 year old, I always kind of found treacly, but every <laughs> once in a while. Um, Uh, He would play the Ella Fitzgerald version, and it's just, I mean, it's, you know, it's a mind-blowing song, and we would close a lot of shows with it, and we still close a lot of shows with it.
0: And, uh, you know, Danny Stiles, as you say, used to end every episode of his show here at WNYC for decades. It was a weekly show.
2: Yeah. The Music Museum. I think it was
0: every Saturday or something. he He would walk down the hallways here pushing a shopping cart. With LPs in it, yeah. that is literally how he delivered Amazing. the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a shopping cart down the hallway from his library into the studio, mm-hmm. put the records on, do his thing, old time radio DJ. You know, I yeah, I mean, he, he, I
2: I would not, I one thousand percent would not be writing the songs that I write had I not been listening to that, that broadcast when I was like sixteen, seventeen years old. I totally got into. You know, I was very into jazz and I was into like kind of free stuff pretty quickly and, you know, avant garde. Um, and, but something about Danny Styles, I discovered Fats Waller listening to Danny Styles. Um, and he played all these awesome like movie, European movie things and, you know, uh, just so good.
0: Yeah. Uh, Long time fixture here at WNYC. Um, I Love a Love Song is the latest from Rachel and Villery. We'll wrap up with a little bit of Good Night, My Love. And uh, Rachel, Villery, thank you so much for coming in and playing for us today. It's
1: been a pleasure. Good night, my love. The tired old moon is descending. Sleep tight, my love.
0: We've got videos coming from these uh, live performances that Rachel and Villery did for us. Watch the uh, New Sounds YouTube channel for that. Our technical director is Irene Trudell. Our producer is Karen Havlick. Video editor is Eric Weber. I'm John Schaefer. Find all of our soundcheck performances at newsounds.org or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Have promised to meet us tomorrow Till then, my love, how weary the new day will see.